Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. Hey, this is David. Before we get started, I wanted to give you a little context on the conversation you're about to listen to. This is a chat that I recorded at the DNAD Festival in London, big advertising festival, with Nadja Lascott from a London-based agency, AMV, BBDO, and Martina Pulapati from a company called Essity Brands, uh, which you're going to hear a lot more about. Really one of the most forward-thinking and uh, just amazing uh, marketers on earth right now. So it's a great conversation, but I wanted to tell you that after we record this, shortly after we record, the next day, there were on the uh, Viva La Vulva ad, which we're going to talk about quite a bit in this conversation, ended up winning the top prize at the festival, the Black Pencil. This is one of the hardest to win awards in all of advertising, I think, in the entire 57-year history of the festival. They've only given out about 150 of these. So it is it is truly one of the most esteemed awards in advertising. So you know, if I had known that, I would congratulate them in advance. But as you can tell from the conversation, I think uh, we all knew that this was going to be a big award winner. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the conversation. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, and we are in London for the DNAD Festival. Uh, and I am so excited to have two wonderful guests with me to talk about some of my favorite campaigns uh, from the last few years. Uh, from AMV BBDO, uh, we have Nadia Lascott. Uh, who is a creative partner at uh, AMV. Uh, thanks so much for making time for us. It's a pleasure. And from uh, Bodyform, Labresse, uh, family uh, of uh, feminine brands, uh, the parent company is called Essity. You, you'll hear we're going to go back and forth a little bit on what we call this just because it is known by multiple brand, brand names in different parts of the world. Uh, but we've got Martina Pulapati uh, from the brand. And Martina, remind us of your title with the brand. I'm the Global Brand Communication Manager for uh, Essity Feminine Care. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining. And just to give a little context, remind us, as I mentioned, there's a few different brand names uh, that people may know uh, the Essity products from in different parts of the world. So tell us about uh, about those brand names. Yeah, so Essity Feminine Care is uh, a Swedish-founded company that has uh, feminine care brands across the world. So actually more than 50% of our business is in Latin America, and these are uh, the brands Saba, and nosotras in uh, in South America, and these are our, our pride and joy, our number one uh, our number one brands in that region. And then in Europe, uh, we would be known as Bodyform in the UK, Libres in Scandinavia and the Netherlands, and uh, Nana in France as well, Nuvenia in Italy. So <laughs> wow, so <laughs> many brands. Yeah, 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 but. Different brand names, but I guess they all stand for the same thing. They all have the same vision. They all have the same uh, look and feel. So despite the, the different brand names, we, we try to, to see ourselves as one, one SAP feminine care. 
So obviously, uh, we are here to talk about some of the amazing creative uh, that's come out of the brand uh, in the last few years. Uh, let's go back to uh, Blood Normal first. Uh, this was, you know, I can't think of many campaigns that have have almost gone off like a bomb in the in the good way of like rattling through the industry uh, in the way that Blood Normal did because it was such a big idea. Nadja, I may have you kind of explain the concept first and, and a little of the creative background and, you know, obviously you can loop in Martinez about the, the brand's role, you know, in feedback in creating this concept, but tell us the concept of Blood Normal. I think I'll, I'll, I'll go back to kind of how, how it came about because I think that's important to, to give some context as well. In 2016, probably, uh, Bodyform Labresse commissioned some global research uh, and out of that research came some shocking facts, like 56% of girls would rather be bullied at school than talk to their parents about their periods. Uh, nine out of ten women hide their periods, so they'll, you know, for example, just never even mention that they're on their period or try and, and make a covert mission to the toilet across the office by putting their pad down their boot and then, you know, run. Um, and half of women had been period shamed. So the world that we were living in at the time, absolutely no one spoke about it, and it was completely shrouded in, in shame and this kind of... Um, and, and literally hiding, because everyone would use euphemisms, and it's Shark Week or cute little, little names, but no one was really talking about it. So we realised that... Um, the power of representation and we realized that as a mainstream brand if we were able to go out there and uh, show period bloods for the first time and then do it as a normalization exercise not it's really important that it's it wasn't done to shock it's actually if you if we the way that we treated the the idea was to complete to treat it the the same way that you would get a tissue to blow your nose and, you know, it's half of, of the world's population goes through that every month and, and sees that. So if, if we were able as a mainstream brand to go out there in the world and say, well, what's the big deal? It's just, we're showing it. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's cool. Then we knew that we were able to, to shift that paradigm and open a, a door that could never be, be closed again and... and as a, as a whole, the idea is about representation and, and bringing periods into popular culture, treat it, not treating them like class A drugs. Um, there, there are lots of those, those little scenes that come across in the, in the film, but also importantly um, that each of those scenes had a little real-world activation that... Um, would go into different parts of culture and and change it. So you're you're shining a light on a whole bunch of different corners of the shame where it exists to be able to out it really and and talk about it and, and really make it it visible so that people can have a discussion about it and really just treat it as 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 the normal thing that it is. Yeah, Martina. I Obviously, advertising has played a role in perpetuating some of these aspects of, of you know, period shame. Not so much shaming, but this, the advertising has always come at it 
very sideways, right? Very come at it from these weird directions of showing people doing things that have nothing to do with periods and uh, and not sh and showing blue liquid instead of uh, you know red liquid, any real blood. Tell us a bit about more of your perspective coming into this campaign of what you wanted to change about the way that these products were advertised. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I first came onto the business, we looked at. Uh, consumer data on how advertising was performing for us and for the competition and I think the common theme throughout was that women were just not engaging with anything that uh, the feminine care category was representing through their through their ads and it was this completely fake world of women on rollerblades white pants everybody's so totally happy all the time which has absolutely nothing to do with uh, with the reality of periods, but it was also, it was a lot about shame and it was about creating scenarios that made women feel deeply insecure about leaks, about smells, in order to then present them with a product that would cure these insecurities. So I think, um, you know, to be honest with ourselves, we had to also question are we part of the problem and are we also perpetuating this, this whole shame by constantly either playing on women's insecurities or amplifying them to such a large extent in order to sell a product? And uh, we, we didn't want to do that anymore. And on top of that, it wasn't even effective in the first place because women just, just stopped engaging with the category as a whole. So it was both a, a combination of uh, an ethical responsibility to do the right thing by listening to the women that buy our products and realizing the power that we have as a mainstream brand to lead the change. And it was also the business opportunity of being the first brand to be truly empathetic uh, on, on such an important element, uh, on such an important um, moment in women's lives. I mean, we have roughly 400 periods in our lives and uh, the fact that we were hiding it under under the covers and treating it as this uh, as this uh, you know uh, problem solution kind of territory of just slap on a pad and 100% leakage protection it's like that's not that's not how women should be engaging with their with their bodies and with how they feel about their their cycles which is such an important element of our lives you know. Uh, so I think when Blood Normal came about and this idea was so powerful, it was so eye-opening, the, the kind of dream of uh, bringing this normality of periods out into the world and we completely underestimated how deeply challenging it would be uh, to actually bring it to life. We faced uh, internal struggles, convincing uh, our team, the wider team, stakeholders, the boards to get this campaign out there. Uh, and then it was, uh, you know, getting broadcasters on board to, to change the way they look at the category, to change uh, the things that they would previously allow us to show and not to show. And I think, you know, the, even the broadcast authorities, uh, at least throughout Europe, have actually moved uh, moved that uh, that line so much over yeah, the years and, and it's it's it was really interesting because you would think that the whole world was aligned to be able to make it better for young girls and women that were going through this shame and and you reach a, we reached a point where we had uh, broadcasting authorities of all shapes and sizes that would go we love what you're doing this is 
absolutely unbelievable. It's amazing. You go. But, but can you remove this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene, and this scene, and then we'd be happy. And the, it was fascinating because the prejudice that exists in everybody's minds is so visceral to the point where, you know, a scene of we designed these beautifully embroidered underwear that looked like like blood but really beautifully embroidered by a, a feminist artist called Anaël Bar. And uh, we worked with a, a French lingerie company to make them. And there were these beautiful pieces of art. And even that was deemed, a girl wearing that, that was deemed repulsive. And you kind of go, open any Sports Illustrated magazine, open any other brand, and, and show that it's it's just underwear. It's not, it's, you know, it's, and, and your, your, your prejudices are so deep set and so visceral that you have a visceral reaction to anything that is involved in any manner around that subject matter. So as a team, um, you know, our account, account directors and, and strategists, and we, have, we were really lucky, the, the, Body Form Labrest team is both from, from a client side and an agency side is really close and our, our friend um, Sarah literally became our little Erin Brockovich because she would get that feedback and then she would compile this, this, this deck and this argument of why this should be allowed and why it would be normal and why those people in particular are crazy. And we fought back scene by scene by scene by scene. And, you know, eventually we, we couldn't show everything and, it you know, it was a, a nightmare for us. But um, that's when, you know, you decide to to show people that that is actually the reality and, and you know, using using that broadcasting message where we actually just, we were banned from from showing it and we actually then decided to put the banning message on the on the end of the ad to show people that really this this world is so normal but there are a lot of people that are completely prejudiced and don't want anybody to see this and for it to be normalized and there there was real there was real power in that as well i'm guessing that Two of the scenes that probably, and definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but two of the scenes, if I remember right, there's a scene where a woman in the shower and you can see blood coming down her leg. Uh, and, you know, despite being called blood normal, I mean, there's not the, that much blood in, in the spot, but there's that pretty subtle scene. And then there's also period sex is referenced in there, which, again, probably a pretty normal thing that is never acknowledged by Hollywood or anyone else. Uh, what, were, was it those two? Were there other? There were others. I mean, there were there were lots of others to the point where, you know, it was so it was heartbreaking for us because it was a, a, a process. You know, every every job is is difficult, but when you're fighting, when you're trying to break a taboo, it's a taboo for a reason because it's perpetuated in every in every which way and. Yeah both from a male and a female perspective and it's that, that it's perpetuated and, and, you know, periods are always seen as a, in quotes, a, a woman's issue and, but period shame is everybody's issue and it's perpetuated by, by everybody and that's, 
those are the things that you're up against when you're when when as a brand you're you're trying to authentically break those things down. So you know the scenes that came back with 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 bands on them were they were a lot. Well, let's jump ahead to the reaction to this. I can I can personally only speak to the advertising industry reaction, the awards reaction, where it did very very well. Blood Normal was one of the most celebrated campaigns of that year, uh, and I, I assume it launched what about a year and a half, two years ago was was when it went live. Uh, it won the uh, I believe the the Glass Lion, the Grand Prix uh, at Cannes, which is a huge deal. Uh, but uh, but I'm curious, Martina, about the consumer response. The response we didn't see once this thing went live, the consumer response, what the brand was hearing beyond just advertising creatives loving it. Uh, what kind of response did you get? Uh, the response was outstandingly positive, I would say. And it's interesting because that was uh, the biggest fear that uh, the organization had was what is going to be the consumer reaction. And we uh, expected it to be much more polarizing than it was. Of course, uh, there always will be uh, the people that uh, resist change, and we did. We did actually have a lot of negative reactions uh, from a small minority of, of people, but uh, the vast majority of consumers were very positive about it. And I think what helped as well was that the media uh, just uh, they embraced it uh, so positively, and they spread the message. So that even uh, within the first couple of weeks, we were basically, uh, articles were written about it in 25 countries all over the world, even in places where the brand doesn't actually exist. So people were talking about it, people were treating it as a revolution, and uh, it was an outstandingly positive message. So we were really pleased to, to see that. and. We saw obviously the impact on the on the brand level as well. It was uh, by far and wide the most effective uh, campaign that we ever had. It uh, it had a tremendously high cut through. Uh, people really resonated with the message, and I think that uh, speaks to the level of emotion that this uh, that this idea generates. And people, women were really connecting to it very, very deeply. And we were, we were hearing comments like, uh, thank you. And it was the first time that I feel like a brand really understands me. Um, so that was really amazing to see. And uh, we launched uh, actually in Scandinavia, in the UK and in the Netherlands. And it wasn't long before many of our other brands around the world saw the success of Blood Normal and saw how if you change the way you manage your business into being more purpose-led, um, you can become so much more relevant uh, to your consumers. So since then, it's been launched in France, uh, it's been launched in Argentina, it's been launched in the US uh, under the Saba brand towards the, the, the Hispanic market. Uh, so it's it's still kind of spreading, even though it's a it's a two year old campaign by now. But it's still uh, it still has a life, and it's still incredibly incredibly relevant and, and very very uh, very strong at connecting uh, with with consumers. I think that visceral, the visceral emotional part of it was so important because I no one had ever reached into that place and and spoken about it in in an emotional way and in, in a deeply visceral connection where you know you're involved a lot of a lot of uh, 
people had different scenes that they that they loved, and one of the big scenes was the guy buying buying pads in the shop, which is such a normal thing, and such a lovely thing for for someone to do for someone else, and and everyone everyone had different things like period pain. So many women go through such such terrible such a terrible time during their period when they're in incredible pain or even, you know, have um, endometriosis and, and no one had ever mentioned that before and, and, and actually spoken about it. So there were a lot of women that had an incredibly um, profound reaction to it and a, um, were deeply grateful, which is not something in my career I can say that happens every day. Let's, let's fast forward to late last year, uh, the follow-up to this uh, to this campaign, I guess you call it Viva La Volva, also from AMV, uh, was just a spectacular piece of film. I, I, I regret that you know from an audio perspective, it's it's got a beautiful song, but there's not much we can play on the podcast because the visuals <laughs> the visuals make this spot. Uh, Martina, please, if you could describe the visual concept and basically what what uh, how it was pitched to you and. Uh, you know what the the finished product ended up looking like. Yeah. So with Viva La Volva, it was um, the brief was essentially that we are entering the daily intimate care category in Europe, and that's a category that has to do with wash daily intimate care, like washes and wipes, and that's a new thing for us. It's uh, it goes above um, and beyond what we're used to dealing with, which is which is basically periods, and. When we thought about what's the best way for us to, to enter this new category, we took a look at the category and the first thing we saw was, wow, this is a whole new level of, of shaming that either talks about, um, you know, again, uh, a whole new set of problems like uh, treating, you know, a wash for a solution for itching, for irritations, for this and for that. And that's not who we wanted to be. We didn't want to be a, a company that sells products as a solution to a problem. And then on the other hand, there were so many euphemisms. You would see flowers, beautiful flowers in front of your vagina and women washing their bellies in circles, which was like, how is this going to help women? They're going to be washing around their belly buttons trying to, I don't know, this just... It felt a bit awkward and we were a little bit perplexed um, by taking a look at this category and how it had been built over the years. And then uh, on another piece of research that we did, we also discovered a shocking statistic which has to do with how women, um, how women relate to their vulvas, which is the external part of, of the genitals. And uh, there was so much shame around that. There was misinformation. Women that didn't even know what a vulva is, couldn't identify it, hadn't looked at it in the mirror. Uh, and the most uh, shocking of all was uh, the information about labiaplasty, which is essentially this uh, quest for what people call the designer vagina, quote-unquote, um, which is a very, very problematic situation, massively created by the porn industry that uh, portrays women's vulvas as, you know, constantly like fully shaved, super tiny labia, which... 
uh, it's very unrealistic because the vast majority of women don't actually look this way and it creates this uh, paranoia uh, is, my, is my vulva normal should I is that normal is that good looking is that even attractive enough and uh, we've heard cases of uh, young girls as young as nine years old going into plastic surgeons and um, getting information about labiaplasty. It is actually the fastest growing uh, cosmetic uh, plastic surgery in the world from the last uh, articles that I've been reading. And uh, we were really shocked at that. And we thought, we, if we're going to enter this category, we cannot, we have to break down taboos, but we also have to uh, break down the shame that goes around using these products. They shouldn't you know, you should, you should be fine with taking care of your vulva and you should love it and you should care for it and uh, you, should just, uh, you should just feel happy about that and you should celebrate it. And I think it was this uh, positive spirit that uh, the creative team brought on for Viva La Vulva and it is such a feast of celebration of, of vulvas, of all shapes and stuff, because of course, you know, we couldn't actually show real vulva, so we had to, uh, we had to deal with, you know, shells and grapefruits and uh, conch shells and um, oysters and whatever else we could find to try to, uh, to bring this shape to life in a way that, that, um, that could work. And I just think it's brilliant. Obviously, the song is absolutely magnificent. I remember the first time I heard it, it felt like it's been absolutely written for this track and uh, giving it a new meaning and uh, saying to women that it's okay to love yourself like you should and you should feel proud to be a woman. It was uh, just uh, magical. I just love, 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 love this campaign. I'm so happy that it's live and it's live in the UK as well. And it's doing really, really, really well. We're really pleased with it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. We're going to end on the track because, as you mentioned, it's a lovely song. It's a perfect song for Viva La Vulva. I encourage everyone, you can check it out on Adweek or YouTube or wherever. Uh, we have certainly written about Blood Normal and Viva La Vulva both uh, extensively. And I have a feeling you're, people are going to be hearing a whole lot more about it as the award circuit uh, continues. Uh, it is my prediction for being uh, one of the biggest winners uh, this year at Cannes and elsewhere. Uh, so congratulations in advance because I feel like my predictions obviously 100%. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> But uh, thank you both so much, uh, Nadia Laska and uh, Martina Pulapati, for joining us uh, for the podcast. And enjoy the rest of the festival. We've come a long, long way together Through the hard times and the good I have to celebrate you, baby I have to praise you like I should You're so rare So rare